Okay, uh, let's start this podcast, Paul. Hi. Hello, Janina. How are you? Those virtual hellos. Yeah. From across the city. Yes. Across Stockholm. What across are we doing here? On a bright and sunny, it must be almost spring. I'm not sure the temperature's yeah. got over 10 yet, but... Uh, uh, yeah. but it's it springy. It's, it's a springy Stockholm. Sunny Spr- springy it, Stockholm. Yeah. Yeah, and we've uh, we've now uh, been in this pandemic for a year. Yeah, yeah. As I was telling you earlier, I've been uh, not been in my office at all for twelve months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been past it a few times on the bike in the summer, <laughs> but uh, I've not actually been in the office yeah. for twelve months. That's that's something of a record. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I think uh, there is a lot of stuff that we realized works better <laughs> when you don't when you don't have to travel. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a little yeah, bit the, back and forth. The coffee's better. <laughs> the coffee's better at home. <laughs> but I do need a coffee budget. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. It's uh, those kinds of things. So uh, it's uh, strange. I think uh, I mean Ericsson is uh, supplying a lot of coffee because. Uh, uh, Swedish people in general are are big coffee drinkers. So I guess it's a big saving for Ericsson. <laughs> Perhaps that's why we're doing so great at the moment, Paul. Perhaps it's not 5G at all. Outsourcing the coffee. <laughs> but talking about great, shall we start the podcasting? And talk about uh, 5G. Yeah. So, so we... Uh, welcome to the voice of 5G. Yeah, exactly. And we, Paul and me, we work uh, at Ericsson, uh, the uh, big global uh, mobile network vendor, I think we're most famous for. Um, and uh, we're based in Sweden. Uh, Paul is, uh, though, you're British and uh, I am Swedish uh, and we work in different parts of Ericsson, but we've known each other for a long time. Uh, And we started this podcast a few years ago to talk about our favorite topic, 5G, when it was not even rolled out. And here we are. Here we are. And 5G is all over. (laughs) 5G is hot. And uh, now we are diving into a topic that we have touched in on one of the first uh, podcasts we ever did, Paul. Uh, we talked about Spectrum back then, and and then uh, we had Sibel uh, Tombas uh, in the podcast uh, visiting, and she explained uh, this new invention, uh, Spectrum sharing. I don't dynamic know if, spectrum yeah, sharing. should we call it dynamic spectrum sharing? Because uh, that is the sort of the standard uh, name for it, right? The standard name for, for uh, yeah, dynamic spectrum. I mean, spectrum sharing just means putting two different signals into the same, or two or more signals into the same piece of spectrum. Um, Can, the simplest way of doing that is just to say, well, you use the top half of the spectrum and I'll use the bottom half of the spectrum. 
but that's not very efficient because uh, if you're on, you've got no traffic, then your spectrum's empty, and I, I could be completely stuck for for you know full capacity on my spectrum. Uh, but I can't get any more because uh, I've only got half of it and you've got the other half. So yeah. what dynamic spectrum sharing does is it tries to instead allocate the spectrum depending on how much traffic you've got so that uh, if I've got a lot of traffic, I can get more spectrum. And if you've got a lot of traffic, you get more spectrum. Uh, that's that's the idea of dynamic spectrum sharing. Uh, and the different ways of doing it. And uh, one of the, diff the obvious differences is how often do you decide how to split the spectrum? Yeah. How often do you decide how much you get and how much uh, I get and, and how much I get? Mm -hmm. um, so how much the 4G user or the and the 5G user uh, get? Yeah. So in in a 5G context, of course, uh, we want to put 5G into into the network. Uh, one of the straightforward ways is to reuse the 4G network and just uh, say, well, while you're sending 4G, when you when you've got gaps when you're not doing anything else, we can send 5G. Uh, and eventually, over time, as the users stop using 4G, they start using 5G, 5G takes more of that and 4G takes less. Mm. Um, and then you can use that piece of spectrum, which is a 4G spectrum, together with new spectrum for 5G to get the capacity. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's kind of how it works. Um, and then uh, we have a, an Ericsson version of spectrum sharing, which is imaginatively called uh, Ericsson spectrum sharing. Yeah. Uh, the good thing with that one is that it, it actually uses the the very smallest time interval uh, down to a millisecond level for making the decision. So it's it's always you could say always fully optimized in terms of who gets to use which parts of the spectrum. Yeah, it's extra dynamic. <laughs> dynamic extra spectrum sharing. <laughs> right. Ericsson extra dynamic spectrum sharing. <laughs> yeah. And if it's dynamic. Uh, Sharing, people call it DSS because the dynamic spectrum sharing is a bit of a, is a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, and uh, imaginatively, we call Ericsson spectrum sharing ESS. So if those pop up, you know what they are. Yeah. Uh, good call there. We love our trigrams in the industry. We do. Yeah. Too many TLAs. <laughs> What's TLAs? Three-letter acronyms. <laughs> TLAs. I need to remember that. Good one, yeah. Uh, so yes, so this uh, this episode we have uh, again Sibel uh, Tombas coming back to us and talking about uh, what's happening in the last year um, when it comes to spectrum sharing, and she's also brought a colleague, Hans Ekström. She's also been on podcast with us before. Yeah, who's also been here, and uh, so it's a it's, it's a big reunion party today. It is. It is. So they will together explain a little bit what's happened during the last year with this uh, technology and how it's used out there. But first, Paul, shall we have a little bit of a recap? There was a big happening when it comes to analyst relations, which is the area you are working uh, with uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and, and you actually did a special episode podcast on that one. For I, I did, yeah. Uh, Gartner is a, is a, is probably is certainly one of the leading analyst uh, companies working with uh, technology at least, um, and they issue these what they call magic quadrant reports, which is yeah. a, a report that compares different vendors in in the, in a segment and uh, looks at uh, 
uh, you know which ones are very good at which ones are which ones are the visionary ones and which ones are the ones who are good at delivering stuff and which ones are, which ones do both. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, they they released this uh, magic quadrant report for a number of different uh, areas that all all around the uh, the, the year, right? And yeah, I mean, if you look at the list of the the areas they cover, it goes mm -hmm. runs to the, the list runs to several pages of 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 reports on mm -hmm. uh, on different sectors and different uh, different technologies. So, uh, IT services, for instance, or small cells, and just in the you know in the areas that we work with, but they're also in another you know in manufacturing systems and all sorts of it's all sorts of uh, interesting and diverse topics. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was the first time they've done one for five G. Uh, we've always scored very well for 4G, uh, so of course we were very pleased to get a good ranking for 5G as well. Um, and yeah, I did some uh, some work on the fly with uh, Ericsson's News podcast where I talked about uh, what what is the magic quadrant and why we uh, got a good rating for our 5G. Yeah. So that was cool. <laughs> uh, and if and if and if you don't want to listen to the podcast, you can actually go onto Ericsson.com. There's a news release there about the podcast, uh, which actually has the um, the transcript, so you could actually read it instead if you wish. Oh, reading the podcast. Old, Why would podcast. people do that? <laughs> it's uh, it's for us old oldies. It means I can print it out and send it to my mum. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get uh, your mum out to podcasting, Paul. Uh, that's yeah. good. Uh, yes, so uh, if you want to, if you can't get enough of Paul, uh, listen to Ericsson's news podcast. It's also available on all the platforms and find uh, the episode about the 5G magic quadrant. Right, Paul? Correct. Mm. Good, Good tip. Yes, uh, then we uh, do we have any other things that we want to bring up in this episode before we go over to the interview? Uh, there was one thing I thought would be really interesting to talk about, and, that, and that's your favourite topic, Janina, and that's devices. Ooh, I still don't have my my 5G device. Sorry, sorry, people out there. I don't know how if I even can get one because I don't think I have 5G coverage. But uh, <laughs> here in the outskirts, <laughs> but I will get one. I You'll get assure one. you. And uh, I'm uh, dipping into an article from Light, Light Reading here on on uh, the Global Certification Forum, um, who's reported on on the the different devices that they've certified, um, mm -hmm. which makes it kind of easy to get to get a, an, an overview of you know what's out there in terms of the number of devices. Uh, and bearing in mind, what what are we now? We're into the second full year of uh, of five G. Um, and uh, what the report is, 2020, they certified 715 different devices, 715 wow. different devices. That's a lot uh, from 75 manufacturers. And if you think, you know, you think about smartphones, you think about, you know, um, Samsung and Apple and Huawei and Xiaomi and yeah. Motorola and a few more. But there's a lot more people working in there, and this is all classes of devices. So it's including uh, modules to go into laptops, and uh, oh, you know, okay. modules for IoT and um, wireless. Um, probably those as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, Seventy-one percent of of what was certified was actually smartphones. Uh, that's actually up a little bit from 2019, because in 2019, some of the early devices were not smartphones. They were like uh, broadband hubs. 
uh, so you could connect to the 5G network and then run Wi-Fi to your devices. Um, but uh, so smartphones have taken a larger share, but but almost 30% are, are non-smartphone devices. Mm. Um, a couple of interesting snippets when it comes to the technology there that 20%, um, 21%, so that's one in five, um, support 5G millimeter wave. Um, and we've talked about millimeter wave, and so that's that's the high end frequencies which will give you like those blazingly fast speeds. Um, but you have to be in an area that has millimeter wave deployed, and they're they're fairly thin on the ground still at the moment in terms of ge geographical coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, and 34%, that's over, just over a third, support stand, 5G standalone. So that's the, the latest version of the standards, uh, which uh, uses a true 5G core and a 5G access network working together instead of relying on um, a 5G variant of a 4G core. Um, and that's important when it comes to wanting to to be able to do things like network slicing uh, in a good way and also um, to, to get the optimum in terms of um, latency and stuff. Um, yeah. It probably also helps with, with things like uh, energy consumption. So those are snippets. But that's that's really interesting and I, I just remember back in the day when we started like when 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 the, when the new 5G networks were announced and we were like wow okay this uh, this device uh, or they have these, uh, the Samsung, they have the uh, the Motorola devices. Uh, those were the day. Now it's getting very difficult to keep up. <laughs> there is a lot of 5G devices out, out there. So it's uh, amazing to see. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting also because the, the, the standardization has moved on. So now, it's, mm. now the standardization is at, at a point where we can start to see uh, IoT modules coming through. Uh, and the uh, the volume is going up and the price is coming down for those. So I think I think they were kind of at a threshold where the potential for five G to actually deliver into enterprises and industry uh, is opening up. In a where the first phase has been very focused on rolling out five G for 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 consumers and for fixed wireless. Cool. Uh, I, I can only uh, update you on a, a small little thing uh, which is connected to the last uh, uh, podcast we did, did uh, which where we talked about network slicing uh, and also RON slicing. The, actually, this week uh, our, uh, there is another Ericsson launch in this area. Uh, they are releasing uh, something called 5G Core Policy Studio, which is like some sort of tool to uh, manage uh, uh, different network slices on the, in the network, which yeah, seems yeah. quite cool. I have not worked with it, so I can't explain it better than that, but that's, I guess, that's yeah, a little bit of a new snippet. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's kind of that, uh, that piece between, um, we have a network and we have a capability to build network slices, but how, I, how do I turn that into services that that users can actually use and sell and you know, how do i how do i create and configure sl um, uh, slices with specific characteristics mm. uh, but maybe that uh, that whole area is, is something we could do a podcast on yeah anyone wants to talk about that please uh, reach out <laughs> <laughs> how about that uh, uh, now and, and Paul. If you have any other questions you, you can oh, reach yeah. us on, Janina. 5G podcast. 
at ericsson.com. So a 5G podcast in one word, then at ericsson, C and two S's, dot com. So enough chat, Giannina. Let's go and talk to some proper experts. Yeah, let's do that. Paul, uh, one of our first ever episode we did uh, on this podcast uh, was uh, some sort of attempt to explain spectrum for the audience. Uh, do you remember back then? And was it 2018? Was it? It could very well have been 2018. Spectrum has <laughs> been around a lot longer than that. But yeah, spectrum is yeah. uh, really important for well, for all the radio comms, really, but especially for 5G. Yeah. And uh, on that episode, we had uh, one of the star um, people that we have brought back several times as well, uh, Dr. Sibel Tombas, uh, head of high band and, and active antenna systems. And you're with us today. Hi, Sibel. Hi, Elena. Hello, Sibel. Hi. Hi you are one of the key drivers behind the product uh, Ericsson Spectrum Sharing. You are even called Mrs. ESS nowadays <laughs> that's a pretty cool title right so uh you have had a big impact on this uh area uh spectrum sharing and the generic term called dynamic spectrum sharing is in the 3gpp standards uh, and we also have another guest on this podcast Hannes Ekström, uh, head of product line 5G radio access networks at Ericsson. Hi, Hannes. Hello, Janina. Great to be here today. Yes. You're also Hi, a returning Hannes. guest. Hey, here. Paul. And you wanted to give us a sort of like an update on uh, spectrum sharing. This is an important uh, area for, for 5G and 5G rollout. Uh, roll and uh, last year we did a podcast about the same time. So in February... 2020, uh, I think it was, or February, March 2020, where we talked uh, about uh, Ericsson Spectrum Sharing now being launched, and you could you could now sell it, or yeah, Ericsson could now sell it to customers. So now uh, it has been out there, and we have followed uh, the the route of Ericsson Spectrum Sharing for the last year, and a lot of uh, press releases coming out mentioning that uh, this and this company will be using Ericsson Spectrum Sharing. But can we go back a little bit, Hannes, if you start off, what, what would you say that Ericsson Spectrum Sharing is? Yeah, and just to pick up on what you said before we go into that, I mean, it's been a tremendous year for 5G in general, I think. I mean, we're scaling 5G across the world right now. But in particular, it's more or less the one-year anniversary of Ericsson Spectrum Sharing being commercially available. Uh, and that has been quite a journey as well, a very exciting journey. And in a nutshell, what it is, what is Ericsson Spectrum Sharing? I mean, we, we all know that Spectrum is the most scarce and valuable resources that we have in mobile communications. When, when we then shift technologies from one to the other, uh, it does create uh, an issue, right? Because uh, we we want to use the spectrum in the best possible way, uh, but we need to we need to balance the spectrum between the newer technology 
and the older technology uh, in these cases. So through the years, I've talked to many CTOs across the world who are saying that the most painful thing that they are doing that, that, and the decisions that they need to make is actually on refarming spectrum, where you statically take one block of spectrum allocated to one technology and allocate it statically to another technology. And that is painful because typically you're taking, you're taking spectrum from uh, the, the incumbent technology where you have all the revenue, all the traffic, and you're taking away uh, that valuable spectrum to serve the new, the new technology. And that yeah. can give KPI degradations and so on, right? Mm, but that's been the case like for so you, when, so when, uh, when previous uh, generations have been rolled out, right? You had to choose. You had to choose. Yeah. Uh, it was yes or no, yeah. and, and, and that was the case in 2G to 3G, 3G to 4G. But now then, what, what we have come up with is this innovation of dynamically sharing a spectrum band between different technologies. Uh, and in our first implementation, then, we have addressed uh, 4G and 5G spectrum sharing. Um, and, uh, and what we're able to do then is to share on a one millisecond basis. Uh, so every millisecond we can decide how much of this very valuable spectrum we want to give to LTE and how much we want to give to, to NR5G. Mm. Um, and that is done now fully reusing the investments that have been done, both hardware and other infrastructure like uh, cabling and so on, um, you know, from from an LTE side, we are we are able to reuse onto the 5G um, uh, technology. I mean, what what we're seeing here is tremendous benefits in the time to market that our customers are able to deploy a nationwide 5G deployment uh, on on their FTD bands, and 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 the associated benefits with carrier aggregation. Uh, coverage extension and preparation for future services like Vonner. So tremendous benefits and, um, and, a, and a tremendous scaling of this technology as well. Just to, just to clarify there, then, then Vonner, that's voice over an NR, so that's using oh. the 5G network for carrying voice. Vonner, <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> that's the first okay. time we've talked about it on the podcast, but, uh, but 5G is a digital technology, so it, just like uh, voice over LTE, you, you need a, like a special technique for carrying voice traffic. Oh. Thanks for clarifying that, Paul. Yeah, so we, yeah, we've, we've heard this, uh, we've seen it in press releases, but what has actually happened or what what is happening out there? Are people out there using spectrum sharing now? Yes, definitely they are, uh, Janina. Uh, I mean, we are, as Hannes said, we are extremely happy and, and proud what has happened in the last one year. Uh, last time we have talked, uh, it was when our software was generally available. And before that, we already scaled quite a number of customers who wanted to test the technology beforehand because it was exciting mm -hmm. for everyone to test this amazing innovation that has never been seen before. But now it has been one year since we had generally available of Ericsson Spectrum Sharing. And as of today, there are more than 20 commercially available networks that are publicly announced. So you can actually mm -hmm. go and check the references online. And there are even more than that that will be soon available and you will be hearing. 
Uh, and when we look at even a bigger scale, there are more than 100 customers today are using the Ericsson Spectrum sharing software. So Ooh. it basically shows the scale of the interest that we see globally in this amazing technology. And when we look at the numbers in terms of radios, as you know, we have more than 5 million uh, 5G ready ERS radios out there. And this yeah. is our target. We want all of these amazing radios to be powered with ESS. Uh, and as of today, we are actually in the hundreds of thousands. So we are actually in a very, very good track to, to make that happen. Yeah, I just want to quickly, uh, we, I think we have a tendency at Ericsson to, to do trigrams. So ERS, uh, Ericsson Radio System, that's the basis of uh, uh, all Ericsson mobile networks nowadays, or at least the, the newer ones. And of course, ESS. That's the short form of Ericsson spectrum sharing, right? Thank you, Yuna. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> We're fighting with like... buzzwords here, as always. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, do we have any? Uh, I mean, we we've seen it. It's it seems to be popular out there. Uh, how how is it performing? Is it is it working? <laughs> Sorry, stupid question, perhaps, but. Do you have anything about the, how yes. is it doing? <laughs> no, actually it's a very good question, Yelena, because and when we first start talking about this technology uh, four years back, we get that question that, and also even uh, some feedback that this will never work. This is this is too unrealistic to assume that. Yeah, yeah, spectrum... I remember when, I, when you first talked about it on the podcast, it sounded like, what? It will be actually possible to use 4G and 5G on the same area, like seamlessly. It sounded yes. really like a dream. It's, it's, Correct. it's like two people talking and, and uh, but but talking in the spaces between each other's words. <laughs> exactly. And, and as Hannes said, I mean, this has never done before. So it was completely outside of the, the thinking that can even be achieved that you do it in in a such granular manner in both on time and frequency domain without creating any problem to any of the legacy. But mm. I can give you the, the, uh, the reply, Janina, it works and it works perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and I can even That's I can good. even quote one of our customers, uh, and if you don't trust me, and I can say the quote from Verizon CTO uh, Kyle Melody, and he said that he's thrilled with the DSS performance, and they have live with this solution since last year. Mm-hmm. So in, indeed, it's uh, uh, it's it works perfectly, and I just want to give maybe one two uh, proof points as well. I mean, as you as we said, when we bring 5G in the existing spectrum. The biggest importance, of course, to ensure that the legacy devices, there are billions of devices are out there using the spectrum, that once the service, they don't even realize that they suddenly share 5G in the same spectrum. That was our priority one because all our customers demanded that there is no impact to their legacy 4G network. And now we have all these live networks. We have done extreme, a lot of testing because performance is in our DNAs. And now we have proven that there is no impact on 4G KPIs in terms of voice quality, in terms of mobility, accessibility, retainability. All the LTE KPIs are untouched. And the throughput is only single digit impacted while we are bringing the whole 5G in this amazing spectrum. So, so that, working that perfectly. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's great. But I'm, I'm guessing there has been other concerns or, or issues, uh, Hannes, when, when rolling out. Do you see any anything there? 
Well, I mean, we, we should uh, acknowledge, of course, that there have been some concerns uh, voiced about interference and, and in particular mm -hmm. LTE signals then impacting the 5G, um, the 5G uh, uh, performance in, ah. in, an, in a DSS environment and where we have uh, dynamic spectrum sharing deployed. And I mean, I, I just like to comment on that, that, I mean, first of all, interference is, of course, nothing new, right? I mean, it, it's an intrinsic part of, of mobile systems and mobile communication. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not specific here to, to DSS. Um, so th these LTE interference signals that we are seeing, I mean, they have existed, of course, in, in an LTE context from the from the advent and, and the, the first deployments of LTE as well. What has happened since then on, in, in the LTE end-to-end -end ecosystem is that that ecosystem has evolved over time uh, and, and has been able to, to uh, mitigate to a large extent uh, the, the effects of these, of these interference signals. So, mm -hmm. so we have the same, the same um, you know, interference in, in an ESS or DSS environment as well. So they are definitely valid, valid concerns. Uh, on the NR side, we see that, that NR is, is young. We're only, it's, it's hard to, it's easy to forget sometimes, but we're not even two years into the NR journey from a, um, from a commercial deployment perspective. So and, uh, so and just NR... to, to just to 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 interrupt you there, NR. I mean that's five G radios, right? Uh, radio system, right, Paul? NR, new radio. New radio, yes. Mm. Thanks. That's right. So five G NR. Yes. Um, so so five G NR is young. That's that was the point, right? And and we we do believe that this end to end ecosystem will make a, a a similar journey probably faster than what we saw on the LTE side, uh, and then. Of course, we will we will uh, also minimize the, the impact of this interference uh, as well on uh, in an ESS or, or DSS context. Mm. So I, I just like to zoom out a bit as well and, and say that even despite these, uh, you know, the 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 impact of interference or or the uh, in the face of interference, we still see that the value of being able to deploy these two technologies simultaneously on a single band. Uh, I mean, the, the capacities that we get out in those configurations are much greater than, uh, than the alternatives. And, and the alternatives would be like in the old days, like I started saying in a refarming case that you statically uh, dedicate spectrum to one technology and the other. We see that the splitting of that spectrum into two distinct parts uh, that lowers the capacity of the overall system. Just to summarize, I mean, there is optimization left to do uh, in these uh, to to manage this interference, uh, but still, uh, you know, still with that optimization left to do, we still have an extremely powerful solution, and that mm -hmm. is being echoed. By 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 the market and by the customer uptake that we're seeing that Sabelle is also referring to. Yeah, I, I I mean as you say, interference is something that's always like present in 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 mobile networks and been <laughs> discussed also on this podcast several times. Uh, I remember some 
altimeters and stuff like that, Paul. <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about when it comes to interference? It is there all the time. It's something that has to be managed. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's it. Oh, sorry, Paul, go ahead, please. No, I was going to say, uh, you know, I mean, in interference is, uh, you know, is at the heart of radio communication. And, you know, there's a... Uh, and Constant struggles. We've, uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, we've developed techniques before to actually to actually make 4G networks work better with, uh, you know, with interference between different cells. You know, any any cell that's operating has has a, a number of different nodes around it. So there's lots of opportunity for interference um, from different sources. And it's not really a surprise that 5G, just like 4G, uh, can be sensitive to that type of uh, that type of effect. Uh, Sibel, you wanted to add something perhaps? No, I think Paul uh, summarized perfect. I was just <laughs> going to say the same that, uh, I mean, interference is, is nothing new. Just to kind of explain the audience that, uh, as, as Paul also mentioned in the beginning, maybe everyone might wonder if the, 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 the interference is due to the fact that now we are sharing the spectrum. And that's not mm. the case. We are not yeah. talking about 4G interfering 5G in the same cell because mm. now suddenly we are using all these PRBs or small, small entities of uh, spectrum between them. We, with our innovative solution, we also, I mentioned it before, we solve that puzzle. We ensure full orthogonality between 4G and 5G while sharing the spectrum, so they don't even realize, as I mentioned, in the same cell. What we are mm -hmm. talking about here is between cells, and that is nothing new. This is a, a, a known phenomenon in all technologies, and, and we will, again, in the same way as we had done, we will manage and bring an innovative solutions to improve the performance for the sellage uh, cases. Yeah, but a, a quick question there, to, just to clarify, you, you talked about our solution being fully orthogonal between 4G and 5G, and uh, therefore not, not being susceptible to interference between the 4G and the 5G. Um, there you're talking about Ericsson spectrum sharing, dynamic spectrum sharing, there's actually a number of different ways that you can solve that problem. Uh, is that, you know, is, is that immunity from interference? Is that inherent in the spectrum sharing? Or is it just something about the way that we've implemented that gives us an advantage there? Uh, very good question. Um, so, I mean, we also mentioned in the first uh, um, podcast that, I mean, in 3GBP, they bring these tools, what we say, like as, as in, the, um, in the market, you bring all the vegetables and you need to make the, the recipe to have a good meal. Uh, but there are some of the pieces were missing. Uh, so mm. what we have done is first utilize what is there so that we can communicate with the devices in the standardized way. But then how you actually use that tools and bring the, this innovative, nice uh, things in the middle, uh, that was completely in, in innovative part of Ericsson Spectrum Sharing. And that I think it was the key for us to bring and sustain the LTE indicators, as I mentioned, for all the performance related to uh, kind of uh, accessible to retainability and all the performance and ensure that there is no interference between technologies and that has been completely managed from day one. Mm. Mm. Uh, so we have a, a gourmet solution. <laughs> yes, of course we have, of course we have, Paul. <laughs> but uh, is there anything else that, uh, that's popped up uh, during the year uh, that, that you have, you've been surprised or, or any feedback from customers or anything like that that you want to bring up? Sibel uh, or Hannes, do, is there anything else? Concerns? Problems? I think always for us working uh, with uh, close to our customers, uh, 
the, the best parts of our job is, of course, when we get these very strong testimonials from customers mm -hmm. that we are actually enabling uh, new deployments, new business, um, and new new scenarios for 5G for them, right? So, and uh, I mean, Sibel mentioned 20 customers. Uh, if I just a few of them, mm -hmm. um, I think, um, I mean, Christopher Eichelmann, the CTO of uh, Swisscom, uh, has also publicly said that, uh, I mean, now I quote, right? ESS is key for a fast adoption of 5G. It's a win-win approach for customers and operators. Customers benefit from 5G in no time and operators use their spec uh, pressure spectrum in the most efficient manner. Um, and, and I think that, that more or less sums up what we have been talking about, right? Mm. Then, and was that the, after they have been used? Because they were one of the first users. So that was, uh, they, they, they could really test the, the yeah. performance and everything. No, uh, that, that's right. And, and, and this has been, of course, thoroughly tested with, mm. with Bitcoin in a nationwide 5G deployment. Um, so so that, that is, of wow. course, an after having, having tasted the, the gourmet meal that Paul is really talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a, that's a pretty good uh, review from, from uh, a customer. Live, live then I, I mean, then I see also, I mean, in May 2020, Smartone in Hong Kong also launched um, 5G with ESS. And, and Stephen Chow, uh, CTO of Smartone, was also going out publicly and saying that uh, from day one, they could have 70% coverage uh, in Hong Kong of, of 5G population coverage. And in uh, 12 months time uh, after that, uh, they will cover everything. So 100% of, mm -hmm. of the territory as well. Uh, so, That's so 5G coverage, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the exciting thing here with, uh, for, for us, uh, you know, working with a product on a day-to-day -day basis is really how we see that this is providing our customers with a competitive advantage to their competitors. So the ability to, in an affordable way, drive these types of nationwide deployments uh, of, of 5G low band, with 5G low band being so central to, to coverage, to voice over NR in the future, uh, to carrier aggregation benefits, um, that, that is um, a, a true edge that, that we are providing here. Yeah. Uh, when and, it comes and, to... And, uh, you, you oh, sorry, sorry Janine. Uh, you talked about coverage there, of course, and one of the things that uh, having coverage in the low band does is it also helps you with carrier aggregation to get coverage in the capacity bands. So it's not just a case of low capacity, broad coverage. You can actually build good coverage with good capacity. Yeah, that's right. It, it has knock-on effects on the overall capacity of the system, and in particular, uh, with carrier aggregation, the very powerful mid-band spectrum on, for example, 3.5 uh, gigahertz that is prevalent in, in many parts of the world. So it's a, it's a case where one plus one becomes more than two, definitely. Yeah. I was just thinking the, the pickup of the chip manufacturers and the, the, the devices out there, how, how has that progressed? I mean, that has been also uh, quite amazing, I will say. I mean, that mm -hmm. was also another reason that we have been working with the, uh, with our partners, ecosystem partners, since the beginning. 
when mm. we first get an idea in uh, four years back, we actually share and, and uh, get their opinion because we understand that there will be an impact uh, both on the legacy devices to understand how they think and also, of course, for the new devices. So I think that strong collaboration uh, bring us where we are currently. All 5G devices that are supporting FTD bands, like low bands, uh, they actually support Ericsson spectrum sharing. So which means mm -hmm. that any operator today that decided to uh, launch 5G and they want to use their one of their existing spectrum, the only thing that they need to do is take the software, uh, download it, and use exactly the same site with the same radio, same baseband, uh, and same link between them and, and activate Exxon Spectrum sharing. And all the 5G devices that will come to their market will be able to see and share and, and see the 5G spectrum. So it is, it is really amazing. It couldn't happen, of course, if we didn't have this strong collaboration with our partners. Yeah, uh, sounds amazing. So now, what's, what's up? What's cooking out there? What will happen in the future for, for this? Will we uh, do a recap uh, of uh, Spectrum Sharing next year as well? Uh, I would say it is just the beginning. Uh, it is, we are just starting up. Uh, <laughs> I think we have done the, the hard part that was, I think, bringing this technology by itself. Uh, I mean, enabling devices, uh, supporting non-standalone, standalone, standalone uh, co combining with irrigation, uh, combining with standalone deployments, uh, having one millisecond sharing. Uh, I mean, supporting the same radios, baseband. I mean, really, we bring the fundamental part of Ericsson Spectrum sharing. And we have done it with a great performance. And of course, with the, um, the, the topics we discuss. So mm. for us, the next step is just to push the boundaries, uh, really, because we believe this will be an essential technology going forward. Because as Hanesan mentioned in the beginning, the value of FTD spectrum or low band spectrum will not go down. It will only go up because this spectrum is extremely scarce. There is no other big FTD bands, low bands coming up. So which means that operators will continue to optimize or want to optimize uh, the spectral efficiency of these uh, important bands. So then what will we do? Some uh, sneak peek. Uh, you should be, uh, I think we should come back here when we had this big announcement, but uh, at least what we will focus on, first of course, performance. We, I mean, performance in our DNAs. We continuously uh, improve our performance in the field based on the, all the input we collect. So now as the NR 5G traffic is going up, we will boost the 5G performance and user experience and also look into this um, overall system perspective and, and really push the spectral efficiency of, of FTD bands. But I think even more importantly, uh, now so far we have bring 4G and 5G spectrum sharing. And last year, uh, in uh, just in Q3, we bring 4G, 5G CDMA spectrum sharing. But that now I think this is just the beginning. From now on, we would like to bring any technology that is part of low band should be part of ESS. And that is our vision, so which means that we need to evolve and we will evolve Ericsson Spectrum sharing all the existing radio technologies so that we can have this pooling benefit and end-to-end. So and, and basically then, 5G is to be used on, on any spectrum band and dynamically, is that correct? Correct. And this is not only for important for 5G evolution, but actually it's very important for other technologies. So we will have mm -hmm. a very graceful way of sunsetting 4G or 2G, 3G, and, and so that they don't need to worry about having a static allocated spectrum. We will be able to handle that dynamically end-to-end -end in between multiple technologies. Another exciting area uh, is AI. 
uh, I mean, our algorithm is extremely uh, complex and, and uh, quite advanced, but now what we would like to do is bring in the magic of AI into the picture and, and, and enhance the, the spectrum sharing algorithms, not only looking into that band specifically, but looking in the overall network, as we mentioned, this multiple layer uh, cake, when we look at and decide how to share the spectrum between 4G and 5G, we will bring quite big innovations in the system level. So these are just sneak peek items. So stay in tune, Yanina. I think we will have a lot of uh, good uh, and exciting uh, things will be coming up. More, more updates. That's uh, that's pretty cool uh, to hear. And we we do love having you both on the podcast, Sibel and Hannes. Yeah. So so um, I mean we've heard about the possibilities for for ESS, but but do we see that uh, ESS is only a short term solution that that we will move over to? 5G and only 5G. I think ESS has a great role to play in the evolution of our networks for a very long time. Um, I mean, like Sibel was mentioning, we are enabling the deployment of Ericsson Spectrum sharing in multiple bands now with the technology support that she outlined. Uh, so what we foresee is that multiple bands simultaneously will be deployed with Ericsson Spectrum sharing technology. Uh, and and the, the driver for that is, of course, that you want to get the best of, best of both worlds. You want to provide a fantastic standalone experience on 5G, uh, on 5G. At the same time, you have the bulk of your customer for quite some time on many markets on, on LTE. Uh, and so that, you know, the deployment of Ericsson Spectrum sharing on, on many bands simultaneously allows you to, to get access to that spectrum and the capacity uh, simultaneously. Then, of course, it is inevitable that the penetration of 5G terminals will grow uh, and it's growing rapidly on many markets. In South Korea today, we see already 18% of smartphones are on 5G already. Um, and, and as that continues to grow, let's say it goes to 50% or 60%, we will, through uh, spectrum sharing or Ericsson spectrum sharing, be enabling a, a graceful degradation of older technologies. And, mm -hmm. and that does not only include uh, LTE then, but also um, 2G, 3G technologies. So, and of course, that that process of sunsetting a technology is typically a very, uh, a very, uh, a quite long process. Uh, and on many markets, it will be, it will be uh, e even longer, right? So, um, so that's why we see, you know, the investments that we are making right now into this technology are are very worthwhile because they will be living in our networks for, for a very long time. Yeah. But I suppose the, the the previous plan was just to, well, there needs to be a date when we close down or or limit uh, the, the 2G coverage or 3G coverage or something. And this actually brings out the a future plan of like, oh, we might even have uh, an easier method of rolling out 6G when that comes, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I think right? it's a good point. I think it's the next step. I, I don't believe, I mean, having made this step now as an industry and, and in terms of innovation, I don't believe we will ever introduce a new G, let's say, without building these, uh, this support into, mm. into the system. That I'm, I'm pretty convinced about that. 
but but it's actually the case it's quite hard to get rid of the old technologies if you look at gsm there are there are millions of machine to machine devices embedded into smart meters and that type of thing uh where you know it, if you turn off if you turn off the gsm then you then you stop them working uh so uh it, i think the the ability to coexist is going to be important for a long time into the future yeah yeah, yeah. But that, then this sounds like an excellent solution. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks so much, uh, Sibel and Hannes. Uh, it was uh, great uh, catching up with you about Ericsson spectrum sharing and, and of course, the generic uh, dynamic spectrum sharing uh, as well. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, to everyone listening as well, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, bye. Bye. Thank you.